Ladies and gentlemen, help support your local businesses, whether they're on your corner store, coffee spot, or favorite shop. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community, but right now, more than ever, they need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol, tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be the official partner of the NFL. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in, everybody, to the Locked On Eagles podcast. We are continuing our discussion on Sunday's matchup against the out-of-conference opponents in the Cincinnati Bengals, and we are here talking to our locked-on Bengals friend in James Rapine. James, how is it going? Are you excited for this matchup come Sunday? No doubt about it, Gino. I appreciate you having me, and uh, I'm definitely excited that uh, Week 3 is here. So this is a team that we don't see too often. We only see them every four years in the AFC rotational calendar that they have in the NFL. Give us a little bit of a rundown. It's kind of a different team than we saw four years ago. Mm-hmm. Outside of Joe Burrow, the big name, and, and Joe Mixon, kind of what's going on with the offense and kind of where are the X factors right now, some players that we should be looking to to kind of exploit this defense come Sunday. Yeah, I, look, it's much, much different than it was 2016 in 2016 when you know the, the Bengals, I was at that game, I covered that game, and the Bengals really needed a win, and, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of new faces. Outside of Tyler Boyd on offense, I mean, Jeremy Hill was lining up for the Bengals, and Andy mm-hmm. Dalton, obviously, and all those guys. Look, th- this is a team that is is hoping to kind of do what the Eagles did back in 2016 when you had Carson Wentz as a rookie, and he's getting his feet wet. And you hope by year two, year three, they're ready to go, mm-hmm. and, and that they have their guy. And, and that's where they're at right now. That being said, they do have weapons, and they do have pieces. You mentioned Joe Mixon. He feels like he's a top running back in the league. The the performance over the past couple of weeks from a stats standpoint doesn't show that, but he's certainly an extremely talented player. Uh, A.J. Green's still here, a uh, little rusty, uh, and he admitted that this week because he hadn't played in, in nearly two years. He hadn't completed a full game in nearly two years until September 13th against the Chargers. And then four days later, had to play – the Browns missed a lot of camp uh, as the Bengals are really trying to play it safe with him. And, and so he's not in a, a great spot right now with Joe Burrow. I think their chemistry is a tad off and it's going to be interesting to see how he does against the secondary because he feels like he's still an elite player. I know the Bengals feel that way. He looks like he did back in you know 2015, 2016 when he was one of the game's best receivers, but he is 32 years old and he did have a, a lot of time away from, live NFL competition. Um, but but the Bengals have a lot of other weapons besides that. Tyler Boyd, sure-handed player, a guy that could certainly come up big. A guy that hasn't been a, a factor yet, but I think it's going to be interesting to see if the two, uh, they're certainly going to talk before the matchup. Deshaun Jackson on one side, John Ross on the other. They talk all the time. They're friends off the field. I think that's a, another matchup uh, t- to watch. Is, is, is Ross out there at all because of the speed element he brings, similar uh, to what Jackson brings for the Eagles offense. And then you got a second rounder in T. Higgins that I'm sure Eagles fans watched and, and paid mm-hmm. attention to back in April. 
Um, so a, a guy who got more snaps than Ross last week, I think he'll be in the mix as well. So there are plenty of guys um, th- that Joe Burrow can throw to in this offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against the Eagles' defense. So one position that kind of gave the Eagles fits the last two weeks has been defending tight ends, and mm-hmm. I know that you had the big injury there at that position. So is Drew Sample the guy, or are they going to try and get the other two involved? Uh, I'm, I live two minutes away from the University of Buffalo, so I know Mason Shrek very well, and he's uh, he's been around Cincinnati for a few years, so I'm glad he's having a good career. So give us the lowdown on what's going on at tight end. Yeah, C.J. Uzama, unfortunate, caught Joe Burrow's first touchdown pass in mm-hmm. the pros last week. Goes down with the torn Achilles. So, yeah, it's going to be the Drew Sample show. It won't just be him, but he's going to be the primary pass catcher mm-hmm. at the tight end position. And I would expect him to to be the guy. If you, if there's someone you're worried about tight ends-wise, it's him. Seathan Carter is going to play. He's primarily a, a blocking tight end. I think he has mm-hmm. two career catches. But Mason Trek, and, and you mentioned it, I mean, he does have the ability to catch. You know, and he is a guy that I think could be out there some – and we're going to see how much the Bengals trust him right away because last week against the Browns, Cincinnati ran uh, some 13 personnel, and you saw three mm-hmm. tight ends on the field. That's exactly what they ran on the touchdown pass, a 23-yarder. The Bengals' only 20-plus yard gain of the season, 23-yard touchdown pass to C.J. Uzama. So it'll be interesting to see if they run that with Shrek at all, with Carter, uh, because Carter, like I said, is not a, a pass catcher, but he was out there on the field during it last week. So do they just si- slide Mason Shrek in for Uzama and, and see how it goes. That, that'll be interesting to see. But I expect to see a lot of Drew Sample, and he's the guy that uh, of the three that I'd be worried about most, or, or at least uh, you know targeting most and paying attention to most if I'm the Eagles defense. Yeah, one last question before we move on to the defense here. I, I don't think the fans of Locked On Eagles here would be too happy if I didn't ask about Joe Burrow. What has been your impression of him the first two weeks? I, I know you said, like Carson Wentz in 2016, he's going to have his up up and downs and hopes that he gets better for year two and three. But in the first two weeks, what have been some flashes and some bright points for, for the young rookie? I think leadership has been the the number one thing with him. And it, it sounds cliche, but Joe mm-hmm. Burrow came in during a virtual offseason. And, Gino, we're talking right now as we record this on Skype. Right. And, and that's how he met most of his teammates for months. And he had to learn the playbook virtually. He had to prepare for an NFL season virtually. And then on day one of training camp, he walked in the huddle, and he was confident right away. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just think that can rub off on your teammates, even veteran teammates. And we've really seen it over the past couple of months, um, whether it was him making part of a, a statement publicly uh, about the social justice movement and his teammates picking him and saying that he should read part of the statement that the team was going to make, along with Senator Trey Hopkins, uh, or, or it's as simple as just electing him captain of the offense. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me, and obviously he's not the only one, but that to me says a lot. As far as the physical tools, you see it all. I, I mean, he's making checks at the line of scrimmage. He's going to audible. Uh, Zach Taylor lets him do everything and anything he wants at the line of scrimmage. And that's crazy to me when you consider the offseason, no preseason games, very little live reps, and, and the fact that he's able to do that already. Uh, and he did that week one. He did that four days later against the Browns, and he's going to do that on Sunday. Uh, it, but he, the, the one thing that I think – the Eagles better 
pay attention to and realize is that Joe Burrow isn't a sneaky good athlete. He's an athlete, much mm-hmm. like Lance. He can move around. He can run. He's not as big as Carson. You know, he's not as thick or as tall, but he can move around. And he's got got a little uh, elusivity to him, if I could use that word uh, or make that up. Uh, mm-hmm. But he uh, he's certainly a guy. That, that can do that. So he's going to try to make plays on the run. Doesn't have the, you know, the arm that Wentz has, but he's accurate, extremely accurate, knows where to put the ball. And, and like I said, if he can get on the same page with Green and Ross, those are specifically the two where he's been a tick off, whether it's him or the receiver. Um, if he can get on the same page with them, like he is with Boyd and Mike Thomas, who's another guy to watch in the passing game, then I, I think that this offense could take another step forward. So we'll, we'll see if they can get it done. But Joe Burrow has been excellent. So far, and uh, the Bengals have asked him to do a, do a lot, and he's done a lot. Unfortunately for him and them, they haven't been able to pick up a win yet. Yeah, that's interesting that you pointed out his athleticism because that has been one of the weaker points of this Eagles team over the past couple of years has been defending athletic quarterbacks. We are joined by James Rapine of Locked on Bengals, and we're going to move to the defensive side of the ball so much like the Eagles right now, James, we're, we're struggling to get sacks here in Philly. Looks like it's the same way there in Cincinnati. Where's the pass rush coming from? Is it a good old reliable Carlos Dunlap, or who, who is in the mix these days there in Cincinnati getting to the quarterback? Well, I'll let you know when they get there, Gino, because they, <laughs> they, they haven't gotten there yet. I'm still waiting. I, I think Baker Mayfield still has time to throw from last Thursday night. Uh, I mean, he was pressured three times. It, mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. And so I think that that's certainly a point of emphasis here. And I was talking to Carl Lawson about it earlier this week, and he's certainly a capable pass rusher as well, along with Sam Hubbard. I mean, they have guys. Mm -hmm. They have guys that could do that. You already mentioned Dunlap. The problem is, part of it at least, is they're getting gashed in the run game. So if it's third and three, third and two, it's really hard to get that pass rush going and get them downhill and get pressure on the quarterback. And that's part of it. The other part is they haven't played well. And they just haven't. And Carlos Dunlap, I'm not sure if I've heard his name called once this year. I, I And I'm dead serious about that. And I was at both games, the, the Cincinnati game at Paul Brown Stadium in the opener and then in Cleveland last Thursday night. And I'm not sure outside of maybe introductions if I've heard Carlos Dunlap's name. So they're going to have to clean that up and get some pressure on Wentz because the last thing you want, and they kind of did this with Baker. Baker was under a lot of pressure going into that Thursday night game. And he got into a rhythm early. They rolled him out, and he led the Browns right downfield and scored, and he was never out of rhythm. And if I'm the the Eagles, I'm looking to do that same thing. Run game, play action, make life easy on Carson, get him on the on the rollouts, easy throws, pitch and catch, build up his confidence. And they could have really got to Baker and gotten his head and, you know, messed with him a bit, and instead they let him off the hook. And we'll see if they do the same with Carson Wentz or if they put pressure on him at the the start of the game on Sunday. This crossover Thursday edition of the podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto park customers online for 20 years. It's easy. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate through. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the 
the brands and the specifications you need, prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck or your baby, right? right? You guys baby your cars, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I internally uh, breathed a sigh of relief when you when you said that they only got three pressures because Carson <laughs> has been moving all over the place. And the last question I'm going to ask you here is talking about the back end of this defense. And we've seen it in Philadelphia when the back end can't cover, the pass rush struggles. And when the pass rush struggles, the back end is going to struggle. So has that been the case in Cincinnati, even though you have guys there like Jesse Bates, who is an unbelievable football player, Von Bell and William Jackson in their own right. Has it been weighing on the secondary that the pass rush has not been getting there the, the first two weeks of the season? It certainly did against the Browns. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. broke one, uh, you know, a 40-plus yard touchdown. Uh, and also had a, a second one that would have been a touchdown, but William Jackson got away with a hold. That really was mm-hmm. really bad. It went viral. He's holding Odell Beckham's shirt, uh, like the undershirt underneath yep. his jersey. Um but outside of that, week one against the Chargers, they really limited the big play. That might have to do with Tyrod Taylor as much as anything. <laughs> yep. So so there's a, a lot there to be determined. And and so, one, if I'm Deshaun Jackson, and I get it, you know, Deshaun Jackson's in his 30s now, and he dealt with injury last year. But I guarantee you, he is he's confident he's going to blow by William Jackson the third. <laughs> and so That's good to hear. That That's um, – and not that it's necessarily true, because Jackson can fly. You know, mm-hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. is a different specimen, you know, than Deshaun Jackson at this right. stage. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals secondary treats this, because I do like him. I like their corners. I think Darius Phillips, um, with Trey Wayne's out for probably, uh, definitely most of this year, Darius Phillips is a solid number two corner, has the ability to make some big plays. So he's got really good ball skills, can get beat, but if he's there. He's going to make a play on the ball, so that's something Carson Wentz should watch out for. Uh, William Jackson in third, he got beat for the touchdown, but he also had an interception last week. Darius, Phil- or, uh, not Darius Phillips, Jesse Bates, as you mentioned. I was really impressed with him in week one. Week two, he had some missed tackles in the run game, so that's something worth noting. And then one more guy to mention, Sean Williams hasn't played this year. He was limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday. I expect him to play for the first time in 2020. He missed most of camp with a calf injury. So I expect them to be out there, and that's a, another way the Bengals could try to stop the run game. We'll see if they can do that or at least slow down the Eagles' run game. So uh, overall, I, I think the secondary is fine, but if you're not getting pressure on Wentz and you're allowing them to gash you in the run, then everything crumbles. So it's it's really going to come down to those two things. And if you can do those things, then I like the, the Bengals' matchups and, and how they kind of stack up against this Eagles wide receiver unit. And, and the other thing, Gino, uh, before you let me go, uh, it, one thing that if I'm the Eagles, I try to do, and obviously they play a lot of two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. I don't know how these Bengals linebackers are going to cover both of those tight ends. Uh, young linebackers, I know you like you know, Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, but they're young. You know, yeah, absolutely. They're developing. So that's one area where if I'm the Eagles, I'm really trying to uh, exploit that uh, because I, I think that's certainly an edge to Philadelphia. With Jalen Rager going out due to surgery on his UCL and his thumb. It looks like they're going to be playing a lot of 12 personnel. And two 0-2 teams are going to be facing off Sunday, and one of them has to come out with a win. James, thank you for joining me as always. You guys can find him on Twitter at James Rapine. That's J-A-M-E-S-R-A-P-I-E-N at Lockdown Bengals. And 
anywhere on the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys can always catch us or any of the podcasts that are out there. Go check them out on the wide podcast network that we have here. James, thank you for joining me, my friend. I am looking forward to a fun game, and I think it should be a matchup of two quarterbacks that are going to be responsible for who comes out on top on Sunday. I think I'm pretty confident in saying if Joe Burrow has a good game or Wentz has a good game, whoever come whoever has the better game at quarterback will come out successfully on Sunday. Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by MyBookie. Invest in your intuition, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie.com. Let's continue to preview Sunday's matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles with someone who knows the Eagles better than anyone. Gino Camilleri is with us now. Was that right, Gino? Oh, that was spot on. Camilleri, you know, okay. A lot better doing? than most people. Okay. Oh, that's good. All right. <laughs> I said it, and I was not confident. So. No, you were bang on. Don't worry. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Let's continue to preview Sunday's matchup. Bengals-Eagles in Philadelphia. And for more on the Eagles, let's talk with Gino Camilleri from Locked on Eagles and Locked on Birds. Uh, either way, at Locked on Birds on Twitter. Uh, Gino, a lot to discuss um, when it comes to the Eagles. Let's start with number 11, Carson Wentz. Obviously struggling the first couple of weeks of the season. I'm hearing national talking heads talk about how he's the worst quarterback in the NFC East. What's going on with Wentz right now, and, and why is he off to such a poor start? Yeah, first off, the one thing I want people to understand is that the talking heads are going to do just that, and you cannot listen to them. And what I've been saying on my show is I got I watched uh, on Netflix, no free ads, but The Social Dilemma, and there was a great quote in there, and it said, we have to come to a shared understanding of reality. And I think that's what we have to do with Carson Wentz, because to just simply go off of what he has done the past two weeks would just be outright crazy, because if you look at the past four years and contextualizing everything that he has done in those four years, he has done a lot better with a lot less. And to think that this two-game sample size early in the season, which has been so hectic because of everything going on in the world outside of football, somebody like Carson Wentz who puts a lot of the onus on himself, he digs himself into the hole a little bit. It just takes one or two games to kind of get him into to a rhythm. I equate him almost to like a, a relief pitcher. Like sometimes they will have a stretch where they're letting in two, three runs every time that they're out there. But when they get clicking and the gas starts dealing and they start dialing it in, and I just think it's little fixes with Carson. It's mm-hmm. it's mechanical issues that we've seen time and time again when he has had to press and. When there's a lot of injuries around him, he takes responsibility on his shoulders when he doesn't need to. And now, more than ever, he needs to realize that this team can make plays outside of just him, and he just has to get back to playing simple football because he is a good quarterback. I still think he's a top 15 quarterback in the league right now, and when he's playing his best, I'll put him right up there with any of the best quarterbacks in the league. If you look in 2017, he almost and should have had that MVP if he didn't get hurt. But we're here now in 2020, and we can't look at the past. We have to look at the future. I think 11 still has a lot of good football in him. I think Doug Peterson just has to simplify things a little bit, take the pressure off of him, because 
Carson takes all the pressure on himself, and it's kind of like the good and the bad of Carson Wentz. He takes all the pressure, he makes great plays, but at the same time, he makes very bad mistakes that he just needs to get rid of and stop doing because it has caused them to have two critical bad games back-to-back in weeks one and two. Gino, give us a rundown of the offensive line because I know they've had some injury issues uh, at guard, obviously at tackle earlier in training camp. So what's going on? Who's going to start this week? Uh, and how are they looking right now in the trenches? So last week we had a combination of Nate Herbig at right guard and then Isaac Sayamalu, who was injured partway through the game. Uh, Matt Pryor came in and played left guard for him. But the thing was, Matt Pryor, before the season had started, had all intents and purposes of playing right guard. But then Jason Peters came in, so Matt Pryor was taken out of the right guard equation, and then... Jason Peters moves to left tackle, and then Nate Herbig goes to right guard, and now all of a sudden, Nate Herbig is our left guard, and Matt Pryor is back to right guard himself. I I know that is a lot to to take in, but it's very confusing, and to talk about continuity and one of the things that the Eagles had looking up for them this offseason was that they had a lot of pieces coming back, the coaches coming back, quarterback coming back. But now you've seen a different combination on the offensive line for the first three games, and you're down three starters, and arguably Jason Peters' best days are behind him, and Lane Johnson is just coming off an injury too. So the only one playing top-notch football right now, I would say, is Jason Kelsey. But to go from eight sacks allowed in the first week to zero in the second week, that's a huge improvement, especially when you're going against a guy like Aaron Donald, who against this offensive line, Graded out, I think it was PFF, he graded out in his worst game since 2016. So they did a pretty decent job last week. But now you're moving more pieces around. You're down three starters. It's going to be interesting to see how they do. I'm more nervous about Matt Pryor at right guard. I think Nate Herbig, if you go back and watch the first two games, has done a decent job in the snaps that he's played. Pryor is still young. He's still raw. But... He did start in the playoffs for the Eagles last year, so he has starting potential and is a starting caliber player. It's just, can they keep the tight ends in enough to make away with some of the damage that hopefully Cincinnati isn't too bad compared to Aaron Donald and Washington week one, and that'll hopefully be the saving grace, and hopefully Carson Wentz stays upright for another game. Gino Camilleri joining us of Locked On Eagles. Let's Stick with the offense. If I'm, and just me looking at this from a thousand foot view, if I'm the Eagles and Carson Wentz is struggling and I look at the Bengals and they're third in rushing yards allowed at 370 yards in two weeks, the Browns just chopped them up on the ground last week. I'm giving Miles Sanders the ball a ton and just going to rely on the second year Mm -hmm. back. Is that what you see the Eagles doing on Sunday? Yeah, I I absolutely do. a lot to do with Carson and how he has been playing. You want to take the pressure off of him. And also on the other end of the spectrum, Miles Sanders came back. The run game efficiency went through the roof with him back uh, a lot better than Boston Scott and Corey Clement did week one. And the good thing is Miles Sanders said he wasn't even fit for that game. So he's only going to look to improve on his rushing ability. And like you said, Cincinnati is third in rushing yards allowed I I say you just lean on the back of that offensive line. 
get Carson maybe 25 throws in this game. I think 42 and 43 is way too much for him, especially since he hasn't been in a rhythm. I wouldn't be shocked to see Miles Sanders get the ball 25-plus times in this game, whether it's through running it or if he's catching some passes out in into the flat. He's going against some inexperienced linebackers and uh, Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaithers, and two guys that I would love to have here in Philadelphia, but I think we can win that matchup. And Miles, he is going to have to step up in a big way, especially since Jalen Rager went down and the wide receivers are once again all out of sorts for Philadelphia. Gino, let's switch gears. Let's look at the defense quickly. Um, I, I look at that defensive line. Seems like it's the strength of the team still, still pretty stout from what I have seen. Is that still the case on defense that that defensive line is going to carry them? <sighs> I would like to say yes, but unfortunately they haven't proved it the last two weeks. And they're last in the league right now with zero turnovers. So they just do not create turnovers on the defense at all. They don't create interceptions. They don't create fumbles. It is just bad overall. And what Jim Schwartz has to do is realize that if they were to have a bad game against Cincinnati... I think there's a legitimate chance that Jim Schwartz doesn't have a job come Monday because wow. he he has allowed the second most points in the first two weeks since 1974. So that's pretty bad for a Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator who in the last three years hasn't been too impressive in my opinion. And this Eagles team, there's a lot of pressure from a lot of different people. I think they're, they're almost to a boiling point and something has to change and it's either, I've said to Lou on our show that if they lose to Cincinnati, like we could really be talking about having some serious talks about a rebuild. It's, it's crazy to say with the, the talent that this team has, but they just haven't been that 12 and 4 team, which they need to be. They're a middle of the road 9 and 7 team the past two years. And you look at what they've done the past two weeks, it has to turn around very quick. And going out there and laying an egg against Cincinnati or just even, Keeping it close, I think, is just not something that we want to be talking about come next week. Last question for me, Gino, and I appreciate you coming on. Oh, as far as uh, the Eagles secondary, that linebacker unit, second and third levels of that defense, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, they have Slay. That's going to stand out to anybody because he's a, he's a big name. He's a baller. You guys traded for Darius Slay. Uh, tell me about those two levels. Absolutely. So let's start at, I would say, the superior of the two, and that being the defensive secondary. Like you said, Darius Slay, I think we'll see a lot of one-on-one with A.J. Green come Sunday, which is going to be a fun matchup. I think underneath this bad defensive play is the one thing that us as Eagles fans and followers have been looking for, and that's a dominant cornerback. And Darius Slay has been just that. And I expect A.J. Green to have his catches, but I think it'll be a, a battle all game long. I'm more concerned about what happens on the other side of the ball when we have to defend Tyler Boyd. I think Boyd is in for a big game with Nickel Roby Coleman having a very poor last two weeks in the slot. If Boyd is going to be in the slot or even T. Higgins coming out of the slot, I mean, those are both two bigger players. Nickel Roby Coleman is only five foot eight. It's going to be a rough go for him if they don't put this team in position to make their secondary succeed because they didn't do that at all last week. I, I think they got into a lot of trouble running a lot of cover one and a lot of cover three that just left a lot of openings. And talk about openings, the linebacking core is 
Oh my goodness. I, we, <laughs> Eagles fans right now are just cringing at the thought of having to go against Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither come Sunday because those are two guys that this team w- really was into, really was into the style of how they play. I saw Logan Wilson down in Mobile, Alabama. I absolutely love his game. I just think he's uh, a pure three down linebacker. And we're here in Philadelphia having to play Nate Geary, who arguably is, I know you follow Bobby Hart, and I'm not a huge Bobby Hart fan. I think he is arguably the Bobby Hart of the linebacking position. And he is, he got, he was responsible for at least 14 points for them last week. I would say TJ Edwards, oh, directly, if you, if you go back and look at the tape, he was directly responsible for two blown assignments in the red zone that led to touchdowns. It, It was atrocious. They don't really have good coverage linebackers. They have guys that can tackle in TJ Edwards, but I think if they want to succeed, they have to come out in a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, play those safeties, play the cornerbacks, and try to keep the linebackers off the field as much as possible. Because if I'm Cincinnati, I'm looking at Joe Mixon, and I'm taking full advantage in the middle of the field. I'm trying to get him in space, get him taking advantage of the leverage of the linebackers and using his athletic ability ability to just blow by them. But when it's all said and done, if the Eagles front four doesn't come out and produce, I'll have serious questions. I expect them to go out and produce against a lesser offensive line than I would say the Rams are producing at right now. But I I think it'll be a a fun matchup, and I think it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles do because we've seen some tough outings the last two goes against Cincinnati. Carson Wentz had arguably his worst game of his entire career. I know we're talking about that. The last two weeks on top of that, but against Cincinnati four years ago, mm-hmm. and before that it was Donovan McNabb in the game where he didn't realize that the game would end in a tie. So <laughs> I don't really have a good uh, omen going into the Cincinnati game, but it's going to be fun. A lot of good football players, a lot of good young football players are going to be on the field on both sides, and I, I like these out of conference matchups because they don't really mean as much in the grand scheme of things and you kind of really enjoy the game for a little bit more than it's worth so i'm excited for sunday he's gino camilleri make sure you follow him on twitter at gino underscore l-o-e check out the locked on eagles podcast gino i appreciate the time man yeah no problem i uh hope i wasn't too negative on my birds but uh I'm, i'm looking forward to sunday and it should be fun thank you for having me on